Touch the item to purchase. Weigh your bananas. Please touch accept weight to continue. Move your bananas to the bag. 71 cents. Yeah, no doubt we have seen all kinds of theft playing out of stores over the past couple of years. You have everything from you know the out-and-out lawlessness in parts of the Pacific Northwest, cities in California, New York City, among others. Then you have more sophisticated crime that's playing out. People that are going, hey, you know what? I could just go ahead and switch the labels on maybe some produce, for example. Take something that's expensive, put a label of something that's cheap on there. Boom, it scans on pain. Nobody will know the difference. And, uh, well, somebody's taking a look at this. Somebody we haven't talked to in a while. Our friend Rania Mancarius from Crime Stoppers and of the Rania Report podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, likewise. Doing really well. And uh, it's good to good to talk with you. So tell us this. I mean, it's it's an old trick, I suppose. But some of the methods and some of the technology, I suppose, are a bit newer. Tell us what's happening here. Yeah, so it's becoming so common to see shoplifting at the self-scanning checkout lane that loss prevention experts are now just referring to it as, quote, external shrinkage, end quote. So what they're doing is a few things. One, the banana trick which is what you're, you were kind of alluding to, where they'll ring up, you know, a T-bone steak, which was, would normally be $13 a pound, $14 a pound, with a code for something cheap, like bananas, which are about 50 cents a pound. Um, they'll do something called a pass-around, which they'll hold on to a few items, not letting them really touch the conveyor belt um, or the bagging section, so the weight is never an issue. It's, it's never picked up by any part of the self-scanning checkout process. And then at the very end, they'll kind of slip them into their bags after they've paid. And they're doing the switcheroo, which is they're peeling off the sticker of something inexpensive and placing it over uh, the barcode of something pricey. Of course, to do that, they're just making sure that the items are about the same weight uh, to avoid triggering the, um, you know, that pesky call for the, the attendant in the bagging area. So, there's a few different ways they're doing it. The, the fact is that a 2015 study, so this has been going on for about seven years or so, uh, audited 1 million self-checkout transactions over the course of a year, totaling about 21 million in sales, and found that about 900,000 worth of goods uh, had left the store without being scanned or paid for at all. So it is impacting stores, and that was an old study of 2015. We know those numbers are much, much higher now. Well, and you know that's a big number when you're talking about yep. eight hundred fifty thousand out of twenty one million. I mean, uh, in, you you use the uh, the retail term shrink. I mean, shrink is is a huge deal, and I mean that is ultimately the dividing line on on whether a business is is going to be able to make it or not. In in so many different cases, when you're talking about that, I, I suppose the reason the rest of us should care is that we're going to end up paying for that. I imagine. Yes, eventually that's what happens. And then, you know, people, when when they studied why are people doing this, some said, well, we kind of feel anonymous, like it's us versus the machine, nobody really knows. Others said they're frustrated. They're frustrated that they have to bag and, and check out themselves. Well, when you look at retailers who are being, you know, squeezed on all sides, the cost of goods and then 
employees and, and rent and facilities, and then you're adding theft to the mix, loss, it's making it harder for these retailers to be running in a productive way or hiring more staff. So you don't have to do a self-checkout. So it's a circle that's, it's a vicious circle that's feeding itself, really. And it's going to require us to break the cycle and say, you know what, we, got, we even if it's an easy theft or you're frustrated um, or there's sort of this weird thrill to it, we, we can't, we can't participate. Yeah, and it, this information, Rania, makes sense as to why, in some cases, we've seen retailers, and maybe even in our own neighborhoods, I've seen this happen, where they've introduced the self-checkout, they've taken it back, or maybe they reduced it, or they had more people there that were monitoring it, because I guess they're doing a lot of fact-finding about this kind of thing in, in real time, and who knows? I mean, maybe it'll end up being, uh, at the end of this, what's old is, is new again, or some stores, they're like, hey, we're just going to put a tag on everything to where it just automatically scans on its own. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but even that, I suppose, at a certain point might be able to be tricked by this method, too. Well, it's interesting. I was at a retail store in, in New England a few weeks ago, and these were shirts and pants and dresses. And you basically put it in a bag and you put the entire bag in a, in a self-scanning checkout system. And you don't touch anything. And the computer weighs and scans tags and tallies up, you know, the total for you. So it's not dependent on you, um, you know, you working, you being honest and weighing and, and putting each item up. So I thought that was an advancement that looked promising in terms of thwarting this theft. But of course, that's a costly, that's a costly tool. And it would require grocery stores to switch out what they currently have, which again is a, is another cost. So, you know, we've, we've just got to do better as a country. I don't know. We've, we're kind of spiraling out of control. We're trying to cheat our way through anything we can. And ultimately we all suffer for it. Yeah, when you have people that are not raised with uh, certain values or a sense of morality, it makes it pretty easy to uh, to get off the rails, I suppose. And it uh, seems as though that's what's happened. While we have you, um, I, I covered this in the opening of the show today. It's one of my top three tech ways. It was a report that really incensed me from ABC News. Their headline, despite defunding claim, police funding has increased in many U.S. cities. And what they did was they broke down the budgets of a 100 of the largest cities and counties across the country, and they found that only nine of those 100 actually had cut their budgets since 2019. And, and thus, they said almost all had increased. There was, you know, defunding wasn't really a thing. And Ryan, what upset me so much is uh, they actually evidenced uh, the defunding that took place. They were just intellectually dishonest about it. So, for example, from 2019 until now, police funding would have to increase by 16.1% to have the same impact as the spending back then. The rate of inflation three years ago today compared to today is 16.1%. Not a single police budget that they showed uh, had increases that kept up with the rate of inflation. So, for example, they're talking about in, in uh, San Francisco, budget's up 4%. Philly, that's up 3%. Well, Philly's budget, that means they have had their net effect of their budget cut by 13.1% since then. And so my question to you is, with what is evidence to be severe underfunding of police budgets adjusted for inflation relative to where we were just a few years ago, uh, what is is the impact in real time, and is that a really undertold story of what's happening here? As you have some of these agencies that say, "Well, we have increased spending." Well, it's a really undertold story because the average person doesn't understand it, and 
um, national media partners, depending on where you are, and even some local media partners may have buy-in to, to, to tell the story that, you know, they feel morally aligned with. Um, at the end of the day, public safety has become political. Uh, criminals have become the victims where victims have become, you know, displaced and ignored and, you know, n- not of consideration. Um, we've seen in Harris County, and again, we respect all of our leaders. We wish we could all work together. But this discussion of, you know, we've never, we've increased all this funding for public safety. And so that's what the average person hears. But then when you go look at what's being spent on, the notion is, well, if we had bike rails and lights and trees, um, people wouldn't commit crime. Therefore, we're increasing money for those things. And we're increasing money for law and order and public safety. So uh, it is misleading, but it's also this sort of look at this shift in and and perspective, you know, there are people in leadership that really genuinely believe, um, you know, if we could increase the the trees and the lights, people may not choose to commit crimes. I'm not saying that that's true or not true. I am saying that that's a result we would see in 30 years. Um, the the short-term effect is that major cities are seeing spikes in crime. We talk to so many colleagues that live in San Francisco, and they say we once used to go to San Francisco just for coffee or dinner. We will We don't step foot in the city of San Francisco anymore, uh, those policies are failing. They're failing communities, they're failing businesses, they're failing homeownerships, they're failing schools, and enough people will eventually become frustrated that we will have to, you know, shift the way we're doing things. Unfortunately, enough people will also become victimized, and that's what we so dread to see. Uh, but it is, it is what's going to happen, and it, it just breaks our hearts. Rania Mencarius, you check out the Rania Report, her podcast. She's with Crime Stoppers. Always a pleasure. Be well. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll have uh, Natalie in a trending story, and we'll check in with Miami Police next, right here at the Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD.